morning, Crossroads Church. How are you? I told you on Instagram, if you don't follow us on Instagram, I encourage you, do it. If you don't have Instagram, my hat is off to you. Congratulations. Do not download it. It's a complete waste of time. If you do have it on your phone currently, though, you should follow us on Instagram, and that way you can stay up to date with what's happening. We have special messages planned at both the Lompoc and Buellton campus. I encourage you guys, you can go to Buellton in the morning, hear Pastor Sam, and then come over here and hear me. So there is no bumper video or anything like that. Just digging straight into the word. And this morning, we're going to be talking about a parable of Jesus. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Tyler, and I have the great privilege of being the Lompoc campus pastor. What that means is this campus is over. I, I'm over this campus, and I have the great privilege of serving you guys throughout the week. This week, a part of that is teaching you about Jesus. We gather every single week and open the Bible together to learn about the person of Jesus. So you will need a Bible if you don't have one. We have Bibles in the back. We don't have Bibles in the back. Oh, Kevin has one Bible in the back. It's a, it's a free-for-all. If two people raise their hand, we're going to have a fist fight right on the front of the stage to see who... Oh, he's got two. Never mind. All right, not so fun. If you need a Bible, Kevin will get you a Bible. Just go ahead and slip up your hand, and you can follow along. As well, if you have a smartphone, you can download the Bible app. If you have a smartphone, you don't have the Bible app, that is an app you should have. Delete Instagram and get the Bible app. You'll be way better off for it. Trust me. In your Bibles, let's go ahead and open to Luke chapter 13. Luke is going to be towards the end. It's one of the four Gospels. Oh, this music stand is sketchy. I don't know if I can fix that. Well, if it falls over, it'll be that awkward moment where people don't know if they should laugh or help me out. You can laugh at me if it falls over. It's okay. Luke chapter 13 is going to be towards the end of the Bible. Luke 13, we're just going to read a couple verses today. 18 through 21, Luke 18 through, or Luke 13, 18 through 21. This is what it says. He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like, and what shall I compare it? This is Jesus speaking. It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew, became like a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And again, he said, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you so much for this morning, God, and I pray that you would just be with us now, prepare our hearts, uh, prepare our minds to, to hear and receive what you have for us this morning. Uh, Jesus, we want to make everything that we say and everything that we do all about you. So, Lord, be with us this morning like we know that you are. Open our minds to see, open our eyes to see, our hearts to hear, uh, our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive what it is you have for us this morning. Jesus, you are king, and we love you and serve you. It's in your mighty name that we pray all of these things. And everyone says, amen, amen. Let me tell you a story about a woman. This was a woman in 1952. How many of you are California natives in here? California natives. Me too. I pay all the taxes, okay? I'm proud to be a Californian. I'm proud to be a Lompokian. There was a woman in California who lived in Long Beach. And how many of you have ever visited Catalina Island before? Got on the boat and gone to Catalina Island. Absolutely beautiful. Um, if you get seasick at all, you will get sick by the time you're out there. It is a long trek to make it to Catalina Island. In fact, it's, it's 26 miles to get from the port of Long Beach to Catalina Island. 
This woman, Florence Chadwick, had determined in 1952 that she was going to swim the channel from Long Beach to Catalina Island, unassisted. She would have people there with her, making sure she was safe, but she was going to swim it from Long Beach to Catalina. Now, if you're a Lompoc native, if you're a California native, you know we have this wonderful thing called fog. Fog sometimes will inhibit you from knowing or seeing what's in front of you. As Florence Chadwick began to swim the channel, her body began to cramp, and she would pop up, and all she saw was fog, and she would bury her head down and keep swimming. And finally, her body cramped so bad, she said, pull me out of the water, I can't go any further. So they assisted her into the boat, and they began making their way towards Catalina. No more than a minute in this boat, the fog breaks, and right in front of her, probably 800 yards, was Catalina Island. She was so close to making it, but she could not see what was in front of her, and therefore she thought it could be an eternal distance away. How many runners we got in the house? Any people that like to run? You're my people. Oh, we got one. Okay, so I won't talk too much trash. My wife likes to run. Uh, she likes to run. That's an oxymoron to me. I don't understand how you can like to run. I'm not a good runner. Um, I have very short legs, and now everyone's going to be looking at me going like, wow, your legs actually are very short. I have very short legs, which means they ha I have to do a lot of work to be able to run fast. Um, my, my legs are about as short as a 14-year-old kid, okay? <laughs> I don't like running. I don't like running. Um, it's amazing how when you're running, my wife will go to the mission and run the lower loop. And after one time of doing the loop, she'll do that for like two days. And then she'll come back and she'll be like, oh, I ran it two times today. That's double what she ran two days ago. And she loves it. And I'm like, I don't want anything to do with it. And sometimes I would go on a run. I just bought new running shoes yesterday with the anticipation of I, even if I don't like it, I need to because I need to exercise and do something. I can't skateboard anymore, so I figured running is the next best thing. Um, so I sometimes will go running with her. And it's amazing how just a little bit of encouragement of, come on, babe, it's okay. Like, just keep running. We're almost there. Will give me the hope that I need to be able to muscle through, pace myself, and finish the race. It's the hope that I know it's coming to an end. For us as believers, as Jesus followers, if maybe this morning you're here and you don't follow Jesus and you don't understand what this is all about, I hope and pray we're so glad you're here. But by the end of this message, maybe you'll see a little glimpse of why it is we put our hope and faith in this person that we call Jesus. For us as believers, hope is defined by a passage of Scripture. It comes from Hebrews chapter 11. This is actually what he, the author of Hebrews says. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, and the convictions of things not seen. It's the assurance of things hoped for, but the convictions of things not seen. The parable we just read is all about this idea of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. And now you could look around in today's society and world. You could turn on the news and you would probably go, the kingdom of God is not here yet. Obviously, there's so many things going on that the kingdom of God is not here. But Jesus, multiple times throughout the gospel, says the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God has started. I am the kingdom of God. And it has been initiated and inaugurated as King Jesus, as the one that we serve. This kingdom is a paradox, what we call it. The, the paradox of its here, but it's not quite yet. It is completely been, it's completely happened, but it's not yet fulfilled like we see. 
our hope is found in King Jesus, who has been inaugurated as king of this kingdom. And this paradox, we have to understand that it is not in fullness quite yet, but it is here. As believers, we hope knowing that the kingdom is at hand and here, but we also have hope of knowing that it is not finished, that there is more still to come. And this is the good news of the kingdom. And to help explain this a little bit more, there's a great resource called the Bible Project video. And we're going to watch it together for a couple minutes. Uh, If you have any questions at all, most of the time as the staff, we point people to the Bible Project. That's just a website. They do phenomenal videos. So let's go ahead and take a look at this video together that talks about the kingdom of God. Our hope is found in the person of God. Jesus. This video wonderfully describes the hope and good news that we have. Jesus is at the very center of it. What's amazing is we can't really agree on much in today's society and world. I don't know if you've noticed that at all. I don't know if, again, if you have Instagram, delete it off your phone because what you'll see is divisiveness everywhere, Uh, not just within political parties, but also within the church. We cannot seem to agree on what is good, what is bad, what is right, what is wrong, what is just, and what is unjust. I'm not here to tell you what those things are, and I'm not even here to tell you which one's right and which one's wrong. But what's amazing is this parable answers the question that we all ask ourselves all the time of not what's right, what's wrong, but honestly what we look is, is it going to get any better? Does it get any better than this? And can I tell you that people throughout all of human history have wrestled and asked this question in their time. Does it get any better than this? In your family dynamics, whether you're a child or whether you're a grown adult, there's seasons in your life where you go like, man, does it get any better than this? And there's seasons where it's so great that you go, man, does it get any better than this? But we always ask ourselves, does it get better? Is it going to be better? Can I tell you that Jesus gets the last word? Jesus gets the final say. As believers, our hope in the person of Jesus is not necessarily about our temporary circumstances, but it is about knowing how it ends. Science does not get the final say. Politics and politicians and policies policies do not get the final say. Culture does not get the final say. Jesus gets the final say. And this parable helps us understand the hope that we have in the kingdom because the seed is in the ground and the leaven is in the bread. The mustard seed was such a tiny seed. It would take 60 to 100 seeds to just make one gram, okay? Tiny seed. But when put in the ground and watered appropriately, it grows to this amazing tree that's able to house birds and living creatures. What's even more amazing is the next parable of the leaven in the bread. Uh, For us, we don't quite understand. It's almost like the metric system for us Americans. We don't really fully understand what those measurements are. It's the same way when you read the Bible. Sometimes you read these measurements, you're like, I don't know what that means, but I don't know if it's a little or a lot. Okay, let me help paint the illustration for you. This is what the parable says. It's like a leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour. Three measures. You go like, okay, maybe like three cups, not a big deal, making a little loaf of bread. No, this was 60 pounds of flour. If you were reading this story, you would just be like, okay, wait a minute, why, she, why does she have 60 pounds of flour? What are you possibly going to do with 60 pounds of flour? And it says she took that leaven, the yeast, and hid it in the bread. 
It didn't say put it in, placed it in, set it on. It hid it in the flour, took a tiny bit of yeast of leaven and hid it within 60 pounds of flour until it was all leavened. This would be the equivalent of having 1,200 slices of bread. It's just, it's almost like this is comical. Like, Jesus, what in the world are you talking about? And the purpose is not about what happens in that moment. The purpose is about knowing what it's going to become, knowing about what will happen in the end. That's what this parable is all about. It answers the question, does it get any better than this? And let me tell you, when you place your hope in the person of Jesus, who has been inaugurated as king on the cross, we know that it gets a lot better. But it may not be in this life. I may never see it. The amazing story of all of the prophets that came, like Jeremiah, who asked himself as a child, probably 12 years old when he was called by God to begin proclaiming to Israel about what was coming. And he did not have a single convert. Can I tell you, if there was a a model for failure in today's society, Jeremiah would have been it. He would have been the absolute worst, worst pastor you ever saw. 40 years of ministry, how many people got saved? Not a single one. No one repented, not one. And the book that we see of lamentations of seeing Israel marched into exile by the Babylonians as he's weeping and crying, getting called to do the work of God, but never seeing the fruit of it, but faithfully pursuing and talking and telling people about the, what was needed to happen. And that's the role of the church in today. Listen, it's not about telling people, hey, if you just follow God, don't worry. The politician that you want will be put in office. If, if we all just would gather together as the church, then these policies would take place or these ones wouldn't take place. Can I tell you that that is not where our hope is found? It's found solely in the person of Jesus, knowing how it ends. That's why Jesus tells us this parable. And that's why it's so important that we understand clearly. Otherwise, I could tell you right now, you will be sorely disappointed at every step of the way. What's, what's amazing is when we have prejudices about how we believe the kingdom should look and how it should work, what will happen is you'll take God's biggest successes and it'll become the biggest failures that you see. When we place our own standards on what we believe God should do and how the kingdom should work, those prejudices will make God's greatest successes look like maybe his biggest failures. Biblical hope is not about a temporary life, but it is about our eternal life. So how do we actually tell people about that? Some of you in here may go like, that actually doesn't sound like good news. I don't know if I like the idea of, I don't know if I'll see good things in my lifetime. The problem is is our scope of view is too narrow and too short. The Bible talks about this life is like a vapor in the wind. It's here and then it's gone. This is temporary. This is just life. This is a temporary life, but this is not life in its fullness. The kingdom of God is all about spaces and places where Jesus is preparing places for his chosen people. And when we go there, that's when we have life in fullness. We say this at every memorial that we do. When we know people follow Jesus, it's not life to death. It's life to life in fullness. They now experience the fullness of life like we were designed to do. But we almost should envy where they are. 
We mourn that we don't no longer get to see them. We no longer have their presence. But we don't mourn as those who have no hope, as 1 Thessalonians tells us. We mourn as those who have hope, knowing, man, one day I will get to go there also. And that's what I long to do. This is the idea of the kingdom of God. The only thing anyone can agree on is that things should look differently. For those of us that hope in Jesus, we know what that different looks like, and we know that that different will be achieved. But I don't want you to be misled. I don't want you to not, I don't want you to not understand. It may not, it will not look like what you think right now. And you may never see that different in this life. That's the reality of the kingdom of God. We know where it's going, and we have hope in the, final, the finality of what the kingdom will look like, but we press on towards the good calling of Jesus. So how do we tell people about this? Listen, sometimes we, we, think, we look at this good news and we go like, okay, but how do I actually tell people about it? You just tell them about the person of Jesus. You give them Jesus. You tell them the truth of the scriptures, and you allow God and the Holy Spirit to do the rest. How good are, how beautiful are the feet that carry the good news? Our role is just to carry the good news. And the good news is that Jesus died a criminal's cross, a criminal's debt in my place, covering my sins. Hey guys, so welcome to Crossroads Church. To We're so glad you're here. God. We've got some yeah, highlights for you. Let's check the these out. News. And that good news has radically changed our society since the time of Jesus. We've got VBS coming up August 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. That's Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And it's on amazing Friday, we're we going to have an so awesome time. We're going to do a movie on the things. lawn. You don't want to miss out. We need your help making VBS a success. I don't know if you guys hey, guys, if you want to volunteer and help out, shoot us an email the at info at syvcrossroads.church, and we will get in contact with you. Well, that's all the highlights I have for you. We're so glad you're here, and enjoy the rest of the service. So they began throwing all the babies in In the time of Jesus, King Herod was so afraid because he knew the scriptures to be fulfilled, he, so he began to slaughter all the babies under two years old within the region. And hence why we see Mary and Joseph traveling outside to get away from that. Sometimes we think the things in our generation are these new things that society, the world, and God has never seen before. Like these are foreign concepts, and can I tell you they're not? There is nothing new under the sun. History has repeated itself over and over and over again. This isn't a message about any of that. What this message is about is about the hope of the kingdom. My scope is limited. My understanding is limited. I don't stand up here as a guru telling you the right and the wrong, but what I do stand up here and proclaim is the good news of the kingdom of God. I know how it ends. I know how it ends. See, the hope that our society and culture needs not is about how do we make right now right? How do we make right now just? How do we make right now look like what we think it should look like? The good news that our culture and society needs is, man, it gets a lot better if you believe in Jesus. And you will see that. You may not see it in this life, but you will see that. That is the good news that our society and culture desperately needs. And the reality is when we place our expectations on the kingdom of God, what we potentially can do is stand before a man on a criminal's cross, 
dying. And we can say this has absolutely nothing to do with the kingdom of God. This is why we need to constantly go to the scriptures and to the Bible and also in the hope of knowing what the kingdom of God looks like. First Peter tells us this. In chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, he says, But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Oftentimes, we take this verse and we turn it into what we call apologetics. I need to make a defense for the faith. I need to defend Jesus. If someone comes against creation or all of these things, then we go, okay, this is what Peter was talking about. I need to tell them how they're wrong. No, and that's actually not what he says. He says, be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. The hope that is in you. Why do you have hope? How do we look different from the rest of society and culture? We have hope. Not hope for the right politician, not hope for the right policy, not hope that taxes will go down, hope that surpasses all of those things because we know how the story ends. That's the only way we can have a biblical Jesus-centered hope is by knowing how the story ends, and that's what we place our hope in. Everything else pales in comparison to knowing, Jesus, one day I will be with you in your presence, and everything will be made just Right. My encouragement to you, understand the power of the kingdom of God. Understand that Jesus sits on the throne and let nothing else bring you down. Let nothing else stand in your way and you will have a hope that is like a mustard seed. That though it may be small, will radically transform and people will find life because Jesus has given you life. Just have a little bit of leaven that it can change 60 pounds worth of bread, feed thousands. Sounds a a lot like a story that Jesus did where he fed 3,000, 5,000 people with a couple loaves of bread and fish. Because of the power and the hope and the good news of Jesus, I can promise you people will begin to wonder what's different about these people. And what we're going to tell them, it's all because of Jesus, and it's all about Jesus. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for the hope of the kingdom that we have in you, knowing that you are on the throne and that we experience and see the kingdom happening now. We see people coming to faith and knowing Jesus, following him, and their lives are radically different. In situations of loss, but people can still go like, man, I know where they are and have hope. We see these flashes of the kingdom all around us. Uh, But Lord, we know it's not yet in fullness. Give us long suffering and endurance to run the race that's set before us, knowing that the finish line is there and knowing how good it will be. Jesus, let let us be a people that are filled with hope. And Jesus, you are the center of that hope. You have made everything different. Let everything we say, Jesus, and everything we do bring glory to you and good to those around us. And everyone says, amen.